I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Dave cannot be f- to join us once whilst on holiday. You get up at 6:45 in the morning. It's Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Q&A and Weekend Preview with me, Adam Boltwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Weekend Preview is, is, we've not done one of these in a while, have we? We have not, we have not, it's very exciting. Uh, we're also joined once again, uh, bright and early, by Nico Morales. Bright and early over here, so happy yeah, what, to join you guys. What time is it over there? 6.45am. The dedication, the dedication from Nico, uh, impressive stuff. Uh, Statman Dave still not with us, still uh, gallivanting around Europe. Um, with the Dildo Brothers. Well, apparently so, yeah. Specifically told us not to mention where he is, just in case you know he gets mobbed by fans, the paparazzi. You know how it is being a famous uh, YouTube star. Have you have you ever been recognised in public, Lawrence? Uh, yeah, well I, was, uh, well, I was shooting, just after I finished the Dildo Brothers shoot the other day. Of course. Um, I was in Pret, and I turned to my left, and this guy's just laughing. <laughs> And uh, and he just he goes, it's really you. Uh, and he's like, I love I love you on the podcast, and I'll always I'll always deliberately misinterpret it, and I'll go front three, and, and they'll go yeah something like that, and I'm like wicked, see you mate. It was a, it was like you know shades of Alan Partridge when that guy followed. Oh yeah, so I just avoided him. Nico, you've been recognised in public? No, I've never been recognised in public. I've been mistaken for international celebrities in different countries but i've never really? been recognized which for my uh, life. yeah which celebrities have um, you been mistaken for well i uh a few years ago i went to uh vacation with my family to the turks and caicos which is in the caribbean um and i've always had like extraordinarily large calves and so some of the people thought i was a professional soccer player because of my calf. <laughs> that's that's the only interesting thing i have to say about that well, I suppose I was going to say, Lawrence, have you ever been mistaken for someone famous? But maybe Xabi Alonso? Has anyone ever said yeah, Xabi, Xabi Alonso, mate? I mean, I, I tend to get mistaken for my Jack Whitehall. Extraordinarily. Uh, can you hang up on Nico, please? Um, I get often mistaken for my extraordinarily large um, personality. So, uh, yeah. What about you, Boltwood? Boltwood, you've been spotted, haven't you? You've been spotted all over the place. <laughs> no, that's not true. Boltwood is an extremely large person, so it's, yes. it's kind of hard to miss. In, in, in many senses. Uh, I, I once got recognised at a restaurant. Uh, the guy who was serving me uh, just sort of gave me a look as he was giving me the bills. So I said, oh, yeah, that guy of TFR. And I was like, oh, you know, it's embarrassing, eh? you know. Um, didn't give me any money off, though. Didn't give me any money off, though. 
you know, I'm not bitter about it. I thought, you know, just being recognised off YouTube, you might get a little discount or something like that. But I'm not bitter about it. It's fine. Uh, let's move on. It must be so difficult to be Dave. It's a difficult life. It's, it's a blessing and a curse to be a YouTube star. But, but Dave One does, does deal um, Guys, let's crack on with the podcast in part one. We're answering your questions, as always, on a Thursday with the Q&A. Before in part two, we've got the weekend preview coming up in association with Fan League. That's right, we'll be previewing 13 of the biggest English football matches from this upcoming weekend. So you've got that to look forward to. Before all of that good stuff, though, it's time for whole of the week. Time to pick our favourite review on iTunes. Um, I was thinking if there's some new listeners, they might be a little bit confused by us calling it whole of the week. Yeah, it is a little bit of a weird phrase, isn't it? Um, maybe. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah, we were thinking when we came up that, you know, the name of the podcast is The Front Free. Who is behind The Front Free? Playing in the hole, as it were. The listeners. So therefore, it's the whole of the week. Doesn't quite make sense, but, you know, we're too far gone it's now. No, it does. Yeah, sort of. Um, right, so we're going to let Nico pick the uh, the winner uh, of Whole of the Week this week, the winner of that box of Ferrero Rocher. Uh, had so many reviews this week. All, well, almost all five stars. Uh, one four-star review here from Fertile Finch from the UK who said, good info and crack. Problems, uh, he said, entertaining chat. Usually learn something new. Keep it going. So only four stars. Not sure why it wasn't five. Um, also a nice review from Brad Usher from the UK who said, top Usher. podcast by trade. Enough said. Uh, Craig Moniz. <laughs> Do you know where that joke comes from? Sorry, does anyone, you guys all know where that joke comes from? No, uh, enlighten us. So Dave was doing the the show that uh, we do on the Saturday, we called the Kickoff. And, great show, great um, show. You know how Dave sort of gets into his. Uh, Dave's very good at mixing metaphors, but he also gets into very a bit of a good. flow. Yeah. And you don't want to stop Dave mid-flow, but Dave. So Dave said he's Spanish by trade, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Wait, you what?" Um, <laughs> he's not wrong he's not wrong, um, wrong yeah. uh, another five star review here from Craig Monitz from the USA who said I stopped listening when Stephen Housen said West Brom would finish above Arsenal after three games in but nah for real amazing stuff love it watch it every week I'm not sure how he does that uh, keep up excited for the new season with you guys fire emoji fire emoji fire emoji thank you very much Craig uh, we had another review from Dara from Ireland here oi oi he entitled it uh, five stars, favourite football podcast, all different characters, add their own aspect to it, and a good bit of crack as well. Um, also, Devisha from Australia, who said, I was going to write something about the quality of this podcast, but then I found out you don't value feedback from Australia, you hemispherists. I assume that's because I uh, implied that perhaps I wouldn't send Ferrer Roche to any winning review from Australia because good it's point. too difficult, too expensive. Um, so yeah, we're hemispherists now, apparently. Um, we can PayPal you the money and you can go buy yourself a Ferrer Roche. Yeah, it's like seven quid, eight quid or something. But um, yeah, yeah, maybe that's a that solution. That's a good idea, actually. Which is actually a good, potentially would work very well because we've got two reviews in contention for the whole of the week. One is from Australia. So if they do win, we'll, we'll just pay, pay back on the money instead. Uh, it's Baird for United who gave us a five-star review. He said, incredible. This podcast is brilliant. They discuss issues in an unbiased fashion. The sound quality is perfect. Yeah, not sure about that. Uh, it is amazing how underrated this podcast is. I found it on a search for EPL podcast in Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for being so informative. I'll be spreading the word to my fellow Australians. Great review there from Baird, five stars. Uh, he's up against Alan 
1997 smiley face from the UK who said, I listen to a lot of football podcasts and I mean a lot. Ever since discovering this gem, I've, it's been my top priority upon its release. Really good down-to-earth hosts who manage to remain balanced despite all having favourite Premier League sides. Keep it up, guys. P.S. I've never had Ferrero Rocher before, so if that means you guys want to send some my way, it'd be rude to say no. Um, so great reviews there. Thank you for all those reviews. But the two to pick from, Nico, are Alan from the UK and Baird from Australia. Uh, do you want to uh, decide on who's going to get those uh, those coveted Ferrero Rochers? Uh, I, I really did like Baird's uh, review. It was a, you know, gave us some some good things to think about and maybe some constructive criticism. But he did say that he would mention us to his fellow Australians, which is a it's positive. True. But Alan, Alan has never had Ferrero Rocher, and I, I don't know if I can live with someone going through through life without having the wonderful, uh, what is it, a chocolate that it is. Um, have you had it before? Have you? Of course, you <laughs> had it. I have. I have. It's it's great. Oh, okay. It. Fair enough. That's why you um, asked the question. What is it? <laughs> yeah, chocolate is it? Yeah, that one. Are you I picking Alan then? Nico? You want to bestow well, is it, the pleasure is it only, of Ferrero Rocher? I mean, Rocher there's there's it? other there's other ingredients in there, isn't it? It's I mean, like, like a little chocolatey yeah, nuts. nougat sensor. Yeah, that, with that's like what it is. It, whatever's in the middle. It's not specifically only chocolate, right? Nutty goodness. Yeah. Some sort. Of um, I feel like Baird deserves it. You know, we, we shouldn't play into our hemispherists' You're attitude. Right. We need Let's to give we need to reject this tag. Um, I like that. We're going to give the Ferrero Rocher to Baird for United then from Australia. Thank you so much for your review. If you're listening, slide into the DMs on Twitter. Let us know your address, all the details, and we'll get those sent out to you. Or we'll PayPal it to you if it proves too expensive. Hope you understand. Um, right. We haven't spoken about football for eight minutes. I know. Talk about football. I know. It is a football podcast after all. Uh, let's get into the questions then. You've been sending them in on Twitter. A lot of questions to get through. Um, first up, we've got Ayush Silver KDB underscore MCFC on Twitter who says, I think this was for you, Nico, really. Do you feel Manchester City are still somewhat light in central midfield and could Danilo or John Stones be a potential option there? It's a great question. I think um, John Stones is one of those defenders that is divisive because of the particular skill set that he does have. But I think using him in a central midfield role isn't something that we're going to see, but I, or at least directly. Um, but I think using him maybe when Manchester City play a three-back defensive system, you know, him, Vincent Company, and Nicholas Adamendi, he will be the defender if in certain games we need it that will dribble into midfield and draw a defender and then uh, be able to make some of those passes. We saw some of that in the latter stages of last season, and that's really an attribute that Guardiola likes from him because he has the, uh, I guess, audacity to do that. He has the ability to do that, and he is quite good at at dribbling, especially as a defender. So I think it's a really good observation. As far as Danilo goes, um, I think we will see him in in midfield as well, possibly when Fernandinho needs rest or Yaya isn't available or or whatever the situation may be. Um, But as far as, as John stones goes i don't think we'll directly see him in midfield but certainly transitioning you know from the back line to the center midfield is a is a definite possibility but i really like the the observation the and the thinking there hmm. uh, another great question here from sonora dell at always rangers great question what's your favorite stadium you've all visited aside from your own teams hashtag i am the whole uh, very interesting question. I feel, Lawrence, you're probably going to have the most sort of uh, range of options to choose from. You've been to a lot of stadiums. Um, been to a lot of stadiums. I'm going to plumb. I haven't been to a lot of stadiums, but the ones I've been to, 
the cream of the crop has to be the Camp Nou. Going to see a game there, absolutely incredible atmosphere, uh, sort of mind-blowing the size and how many people were in there. So for me, it's got to be the Camp Nou. Uh, you really think it was that good? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Do you, you're not a fan? Okay. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't You've got more experience, away, experience, as I said. You've got more to compare it up against. just wasn't as blown away as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be, you know, like mind-blowingly sort of amazing. But the, the constant atmosphere only seemed to come from... I'm not saying they're bad fans, but the constant atmosphere came a bit more from one end rather than the whole stadium. What's your favourite stadium then, Lawrence? Uh, good question. I, well, uh, favourite stadium structurally definitely is uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Donetsk. Fair enough. Um, Shakhtar, what about... but that's not, it's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, what about the whole um, package, the atmosphere, everything, you know? Uh, Atmosphere-wise, Anfield's definitely good, but I'd also have... Uh, Wembley's not the best of the best. Nope. Um, Manchester United is actually a really good stadium. Like Old Trafford's an amazing stadium to visit. Um, I think it compares quite favourably to a place like Wembley, and there's a good atmosphere in there. Hmm. Old Trafford's definitely very good. I'm trying to think of my favourite say, You know what Dortmund has got to be? I was thinking Dortmund might be on there. Famous. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, you know, it's, it's got pretty much everything. Okay. Uh, Nico, what's the best favourite stadium you've ever been to I haven't been to too many um, my first football experience as a child was when my grandmother took me to um, the Bernabeu to see I think Spain was playing there it was a friendly wow. or a qualifier of some sort that was like one of the first footballing experiences that I ever had um, but I, I'm pretty lucky I guess to have Orlando City Stadium so close because they did build it it is brand new and they did build it um, sort of inspired by Dortmund Stadium so we have the purple wall and I've been a few times to, to some games and you honestly really can't buy a bad seat um, in the stadium so it's a pretty good one I know it doesn't necessarily compare to the atmospheres of some of those great European stadiums but uh, as far as the favorite one goes um i'd probably have to say i've only been to one premier league game and that was crystal palace versus swansea at palace and i thought that was a pretty good environment even though i don't have uh the most you know experience to to weigh it up against Mm, i've also got to say i think la stadium is quite a good one they've got i don't know what it's called it's not called the staples center the the galaxy the galaxy Galaxy. yeah pretty uh I was there for uh, 2009, so a few years ago. It's probably changed a lot since then. But mm. in the time I was there, it was a beautiful sunset. It looked almost like it had been, you know, sort of generated on a on a computer. It was that perfect. So a really beautiful stadium. Yeah, I was actually impressed with. I said this before when we went to I went to Atlanta earlier in the year to the uh, mm. Atlanta United game. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic there. That was a sort of the temporary home. I think it was the Bobby Dodd Stadium. It was called. Um, they've now moved into this. It's like a, a one billion stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium that they're sharing with the uh, yeah the NFL a completely team. New, uh, Atlanta Falcons Stadium. Yeah, it's like one of the most one of the best stadiums in the world technologically and everything that they've done there. So yeah, they didn't spend a billion on it though, did they? A billion. Apparently, apparently it's a billion. Yeah, over it's near a that. Yeah, uh, according to this article I'm on right now, one point three eight billion. So yeah, uh, bargain, what do you, absolute bargain. Mate. What does that get you? Oh, I guess one hell of a stadium, mate. Guess you one hell of a stadium. They're sharing yeah. it with, I don't know, they're sharing it with the NFL team. Um, 71,000 spectators. So, you know, maybe some economical sense in uh, using it for both sports, etc. Um, half a million each. It's got uh, a new half, roof half a inspired by Rome's Pantheon. Uh, six triangular panels rotate to close within just 11 minutes. Pretty impressive. Um, yeah, it's a bit good. I, I, pretty good. I didn't can see that. But uh, yeah, it was a great atmosphere nonetheless. Uh, moving swiftly. Adam on. went back into his. What Adam did there was he went back into his top 10 uh, readouts. Little voiceover. Voice voice, yeah. Pretty impressive. 
Five. It's LA Galaxy. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Uh, Dan H. Uh, Danny Othello on Twitter says, if you had to swap your manager with another from any top six side in the Premier League, who would it be and why? Very good question. Um, I feel like, okay, maybe it's not as straightforward as you'd initially think. For me, I think I'd swap with either Klopp or Guardiola, but I'd, I'd probably go for, I think right now, I think I'll go for Guardiola. Part of me wanted to go for Klopp because I think he's got this proven track record at Liverpool of sort of improving uh, the players that he's had there, sort of taking them to another level, um, the likes of Emre Chan, the likes of Adam Lallana. Um, but for me, Guardiola is the best manager in the world, if not one of the best managers How do you think Daniel Levy would get on with, uh, with Guardiola? Probably not great. <laughs> Guardiola would be like, right, I want to spend mm. $50 million on, a, on a new left-back. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it would quite be a perfect marriage there in terms of the manager and the, and the club hierarchy, as it were. But, um, you know, without thinking about it, too deeply, I think Guardiola, for me, uh, I'd love to see him at Spurs. Um, Nico, is there anyone you'd, well, you have to swap in this hypothetical situation, Guardiola, for another top six manager? Yeah, Dave and I have often spoke of the, you know, the possibilities in terms of uh, tactical style of, of the players um, between Manchester United and Manchester City, because I think if you switch the managers, if you switch the, the jobs in which they get, there are a lot of players at Manchester City that would operate really well in a counter-attacking system, and there are a lot of players at Manchester United that would do really well um, in a possession system. So I think that'd be really interesting to see, even though you know I kind of have to hate Mourinho to some extent. But um, I think Pochettino would be an excellent manager because I, I just really like the, the South American style that he brings and everything that he's done with his game and how he's developing it, developing it into the, to the modern game. And I think with signings like like Juan Foyt, you guys are going to start to reap the benefits of a scouting system that is maybe looking more in depth and directly um, at places like Chile, Argentina, um, and Brazil. And, and I, I think that's fantastic. So I'd probably say maybe Mourinho or Pochettino. Yeah, I think Pochettino would be a popular choice for most people if they were asked this question. But um, Lawrence, who would you, who would you plan for? It's tricky because actually a few years ago I really wanted Mourinho, but I think... Liverpool fans and Guardiola would just be a really irresistible combination of um, shithousery. So, uh, yeah, I would go Guardiola, I think, because I think Liverpool fans would just enjoy, you know, the, the, the style that he tried to bring to the club. I think they'd try and lord it. They would, It would be a, a point of pride, I think, for Liverpool fans. So i go for Guardiola. Also, Barcelona and Liverpool are sort of, you know, both looking for that sense of independence from the country they're attached to. I know it's very deeply political with uh, Barcelona, mm. but there's a, a deeply political vibe as well for the likes of uh, the likes of Liverpool in their country after everything that happened. So, yeah. Bax Tom on Twitter says, thoughts on the emails sent by the Sullivans? Fake slash true? Question mark. Um, if they are real, then the Sullivans are bad at emails. <laughs> Uh, and if they're fake, then someone is bad at fakes. Should we explain, give a little bit of context to those who might not be familiar yeah, with this yeah. situation? So it appears... Please do, I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about here. I heard the Dildo Brothers thing, which is hilarious. But <sighs> So this was, this was uh, the Sporting Lisbon club hierarchy? I've apparently say, I've apparently called them the Dildo Brothers, was it? Yeah, but this is before the whole Dildo Brothers. So yesterday they got called the Dildo Brothers by the sporting director at Sporting Lisbon, I think. And before that, it was all down to the fact that they claimed that they had emailed an, or, or sent an offer 
which made it clear that they wanted William Carvalho from Lisbon. And people were saying it's not true, the, the sporting director, uh, director basically called them idiots and uh, all sorts of things and was quite disparaging about them. And they took uh, offence and said, we're going to sue you for defamation, I think it was, or along those lines. And uh, somehow now, guys, those very emails that they claim to have sent only now I've surfaced, despite the fact that I could quite easily in 20 minutes, say, go back in my own email account and pull up any email from the past five years. Yeah. They didn't think to do this initially. They thought we'll sit on this for roughly three weeks and then we'll release it. It's uh, very strange. It seems emails. to have been sort of leaked or released to Sky Sports. Uh, sort of images of these emails seemingly confirming that a bid was made for William Carvalho. They appear to be screen like someone's taken a picture of a screen yeah someone's taken a picture of a screen it's not like a screenshot it's like someone's literally on their phone taking a picture of a a computer screen um yeah it's also unusual because it looks if someone's taken a picture of a picture of a computer screen but then they've also used some software to then black out the names on the screen so they've had the time on the screen to screenshot it not then think i'll send this to my phone for later but then put it into a piece of software on the computer black out the names that need to be blacked out because for some reason the only emails on there that are visible are David Sullivan and then take a picture of the screen after they've edited it and the email reads read your player William Carvalho all block capitals subject to contract medical and agreeing terms with the player so basically everything this is to confirm that WHUFC didn't even use the full club's name mm. will pay 25 million in payable in three installments over 24 months uh 8.333 million now not an exact figure not down to the sort of decimal point yeah, yeah. just sort of you know roughly um i think that's three recurring we'll just assume that because you know we can on legal contracts um august the 18th august 2018 august 2019 literally then just a paragraph that says 10 percent sell on important um, very important and then Add-ons to be agreed, just just to be agreed. Um, for example, West Ham qualify for the Champions League, and player making eighty-five percent of his starts is season achieved. In season achieved, um, these can't be just games. He will be. These can't be just games. He will be our record signing, and we expect him to play the games. We wish to conclude this asap, or we'll be borrowing a player from PSG. Literally, no signature, no full stop at the end of that sentence. Poorly constructed paragraphs. They then sent a follow-up email that said, this is to confirm we want to offer 25 million euros. They put 25 million with the euros ahead of it, but then they also wrote the word euros after that, just to be very clear, it's in euros. So either someone's, again, terrible at emails, or these guys are idiots, payable in three payments over 24 months. About the recurring this, stuff. This is, is this, only guaranteed fee can, we can offer, but with additional terms and bonuses to be discussed. So you just sent the same email twice in the same way that when you're an inexperienced work experience person and you want someone to appear on your show, you email them three times with all the details sort of <laughs> scattered through the email. You know? Is this is this how clubs do their business? The actual chairmen themselves email sort of vague-ish yeah. 
offers um, not not particularly well constructed <laughs> with a vague threat at the end. Oh, we're going to borrow a player from PSG if you don't sell him we'll to borrow us. from someone else, mate. I didn't realise so... it. Uh, what's wrong? With, I thought it was all fax machines. You know, that's how the clubs do it. I didn't realise he's the actual chairman as well. Um, but yes, this was apparently it, David Sullivan's. It yeah, this was David Sullivan's uh, response to uh, the sporting president, um, suggesting there's no proof of this uh, of this deal. Um, <laughs> he said, yeah, and then just decided to call them the Dildo Brothers. Um, so, yeah. Which, to be fair, is semi, semi-true, um, but it conjures up so many, um, so many images in the mind, doesn't it? Yeah, um, another bizarre situation in the world of football. Um, Baxter also said, by the way, Nico Morales is paying for champagne when Bilic gets sacked. Oh, good point. Yeah, he is, yeah. Why? Yeah, he, he slid into the DMs and was asking me questions about uh, Mr. Billish and, and my opinions on him. And he, he came to the conclusion that was I wasn't too fond of him. I mean, as a person, I don't I don't really know him and I don't really have a problem with Slavin Billich. But um, as Dave and I have talked really? about a number of times, I think uh, I think we're, we're not too fond of him and uh, tactically and as a manager. So, you know, I think we both think that we kind of feel like it's time for him to leave West Ham. Um, so he was talking about the champagne mm. at the end of Here is a question from Ashke Gushan for on Twitter. Why is Paul Pogba so criticised? He is the most complete midfielder in the world and also one of the best. He could be better than Zidane. Um, would you agree with that, Nico? Do you think Pogba's hard done by is receiving too much criticism yeah i mean i think as far as the criticism goes we have to talk about the perception and and that speaks to the question as well like why is he the most criticized player and i think he's one of those guys that like i said before there are a lot of players at manchester united that possibly would have fit better into a possession system and that's really where i would have liked to have seen paul pogba go maybe not manchester city to work with guardiola but maybe a team like barcelona or or different teams in europe as opposed to going from juventus to, to manchester united who under Mourinho have pursued a, a counterattacking philosophy but in terms of why he's criticized I think it, it's sort of how he carries himself he's an extremely confident player and he does a lot of things that are you know um someone that obviously holds a lot of confidence he has the haircuts he has the dabs he's an extremely marketable player in that sense um but it's not like this you know lovable Neymar Brazilian type of uh type of I guess attitude it's more of it comes off a little bit arrogant and I think that compiled with the lack of perceived success or at least um, lack of perceived good performances in his first year at Manchester United I think the, the things that you saw the, the commercials that you saw I think there was one Adidas commercial that I saw about 500 million times because it was played so much um, of him in that first year you know he, he like dribbled past five players in the midfield and then shot an incredible shot and then it went in and that was supposed to be the story of him at Manchester United for the first year and that since that never really seemed to materialize I think a lot of people that never really liked Manchester United or Paul Pogba in the first place that there are all these things like the fee and the world breaking fee that people didn't necessarily feel um it was accurate there are all these things that that compiled to maybe not let people like Paul Pogba and I, I didn't have an initial like for him but I think uh, for as far as some of the charity work that it, Manchester United has done, I've seen some videos of him interacting with fans, and he seems like a really nice guy. So maybe that some of that criticism is 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 uh, not necessarily deserved. But as far as why he's a criticized player, I think that that goes to to speak to that because he has this maybe perceived arrogant attitude, and you know, I I I don't think we have a clear picture of any professional athlete because we don't know them. 
Very true. Very true. Um, Albin the Ibino. Albino? Albin the Albino. Fifty Shades of Hendo on Twitter says, uh, will players demanding release clauses in their contracts become the new norm given how much player power has diminished? What do you think, Lawrence? Well, I think obviously in some countries it's law because of the way that things are set up. So players uh, are almost not forced to protect themselves, but uh, you know that, that's seen as a form of protection in a way or maybe giving them an out, or all sorts of different reasons. There's a lot of reasons, uh, so I'm told, not just to protect the player, also to protect clubs and fair trade, etc. Uh, there is, I mean, I think there is also already somewhat of a precedent. Um, I mean, uh, some players do demand it. I, I just wonder whether um, it's more of a, a cultural thing that in some countries they'll expect it, in others they won't. Maybe in the Premier League it will become... Uh, something that people highlight more, but I don't think it changes really uh, too much. Too much. Um, but, you know, if a player wanted to release clause before, they probably could have had it. However, it's also whether the club chooses to respect that release clause because I think Luis Suarez had a 40 million release clause in his um, contract for Liverpool, and Arsenal bid 40 million a pound. Famously, and Liverpool just said okay, you've reached it, but we don't know what that release clause then triggers. Like, does that trigger that you can negotiate with it? Does that trigger that you can talk? There's all sorts of things. Yeah, um, it, it, they triggered it, but then Liverpool just thought, fuck it, just ignore it. Well, who cares? Um, are you on the streets there, again? Well, there, are, you, are you on the streets? Uh, yeah, sorry. I've come outside, but it's not, it's not that much allowed. Uh, oh, the reviews this week are going to be, they're going to be scathing. Um, yeah, no, but normally <laughs> I'm sort of in a loud place. I'm in a quiet place. Oh, where are you? Uh, I mean, I'm near Tottenham Court Road, a really loud, notoriously loud place in London, but sort of one of the... <laughs> Doesn't just sound like that, a fair play. Um, so, next question. Probably my favourite question of the week. I like this question a lot. Uh, Mark Hardingham on Twitter says, which team has the best front three in the world now that the best MSN podcast. is no more? Uh, of course, this very podcast named, inspired by MSN, uh, is disbanded it is no more as mark says there so what is the best front three in the world right now we're we looking at a premier league side maybe liverpool's trio of mané Firmino, salah uh maybe manchester city you've got jesus sterling sané maybe aguero you could chuck in there switch him out you've of course you've got messi suarez and now neymar's replacement usman dambele you've still got the bbc as it were for Would you say uh, the front three that, that neymar's joined with cavani ooh. neymar and whoever else they choose to Kylian Mbappe probably up front or at least on the right yeah, maybe mm. uh, yeah. Nico come on what's your shout for the best front three in the world that's not us three right now <laughs> it's difficult it's difficult to beat us um, but I think I would say I really like I would say it's um, it's really difficult to to look past Usman Dembele Suarez and, and Messi um, but equally uh, when Real Madrid play their 4-4-2 diamond and it's Ronaldo, Benzema, and Isco, I mean, that's that that's a 4-4-2 that won the Champions League, essentially. Um, so it's uh, I, I would say it's Isco. Three, though, is it? Sorry, it's it's technically not a front three, but if you, yeah. you know, you maybe maybe uh, have like a little bit of a false nine role, uh, if you're willing to look past that, then I would say maybe Isco, Ronaldo, and, and Benzema is absolutely fantastic. Mm, I like that one. I think that's perhaps the sort of inform sort of trio as well maybe only just for Isco um, who would you go for sure, Lawrence United, United maybe have a front three so we got Lukaku United and Lukaku McTyrian 
Stick Rashford, Rashford on the left. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, but the world's best. I like the PSG show, given obviously we're yet to see them in action. Uh, we haven't seen Mbappe line up for PSG yet. Um, oh, People are going to be angry. There's a helicopter. Yeah, there's sirens in my coming through my flat window as well. So yeah, it's going to be gonna, people are going to be feeling. Be indoors, it. Be outside, and there's a helicopter. Maybe we're hearing the same helicopter. There's a helicopter outside my flat as well. Um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna agree with Nico. I'm gonna plumb with Nico for now. Um, but yeah, like I say, it could well be PSGs that proves to be the best front three in uh, in Europe this season. Um, Adam, is it is it not Vincent Janssen, Musa Sissoko, and Huangmin Son when when they do get some time? You know, yeah, when they is come on in the 70th, 70th minute uh, of most games, yeah, it's, it's not bad front three. It's not bad. <laughs> I mean, probably, probably is quite bad. Um, yeah, I think that, I'll agree with Nico Lawrence. Have you got a, uh, a shout? Uh, you know what? I think there's a lot of them. I'm going to say that I think maybe we can predict who's going to be the best front three or sort of the most entertaining front three. I'm going to say uh, Cavani and Mbappe. Ooh, that's a good Neymar. That's a, uh, a good so shout. Prediction for who's going, because I would say Real Madrid, however, it's, it's the fact they don't play in a three. So. On a similar theme, Michael Filetti has said, do you think PSG should have focused on strengthening at the back this summer uh, rather than signing the likes of Mbappe and Neymar? Uh, what track Nico? Should they have concentrated elsewhere? No, I don't think so. Not only do they have perfectly uh, acceptable defensive midfielders and and also defenders, but uh, it, everything in football, especially modern football, is is tends to be circular and connected. So the more that you have in attack, and the more that you have in midfield, and the more power you have in those situations, and perhaps the less likely that you're uh, you are to give it away in those situations or mitigate the risk that you can be countered attacked upon in some situations, then the better defense you have. A lot of people like to attribute, you know, defensive issues solely to defenders when that often isn't the case. That isn't the case with, in my opinion, at least with Liverpool or Manchester City or a lot of different sides that seem to have uh, defensive issues. It's it's uh, some of the play further up the field. So, um, and like I said before, they have perfectly acceptable defenders. I think Thomas uh, Minor at, at, at right back is, a, is an excellent uh, player as well as Thiago Silva and Marquinhos or Thiago Silva and um, I forget the youngster that's at PSG that played in that one of those Barcelona legs but he he looks very good as well so I think they have some great defenders mm. uh, another great question here from Matt Brownie Cake long time listener long time friend of the show who has the most to prove this weekend in terms of results and performances um, of course we're going to come on to our, our weekend preview very soon but who do you think has the most to prove I think Frank de Boer, potentially, um, away at Burnley with Crystal Palace. Uh, reports, if they're to be believed, say that he's only got one game to save his job, needs a win here. So he's potentially uh, not only got something to prove, he's, uh, he's got a job to save. Uh, Ousmane Dembele, expected to make his debut for, for Barcelona after his £98 million pound move um, to the club. So potentially something to prove there. And of course, as we were just talking about there, uh, we're going to see Kylian Mbappe, Neymar and Cavani line up for the first time. I think they're playing tomorrow night, PSG against Mets. So potentially, you know, uh, we need to see a big performance from them to prove uh, to prove the money invested in them was worthwhile. Um, do you agree with that? Lawrence, any other shouts for, for who's got something to prove this weekend? Maybe Philip Coutinho. Got to prove he's over that back injury, you know? Yeah, uh, obviously he's got to prove he's beyond that. He's got to prove he's beyond the mental block of having uh, not at uh, Barcelona and obviously let him down ultimately and not bid 200 million euros. I mean, Liverpool said to them, you want him? Pay, pay what he's worth. And they did. So ultimately, Barcelona let him down. In many ways. Um, 
in all ways. There's no way that at any point Liverpool were the arseholes in this. Um, and then, uh, who else? There's also someone else on the list as well. Um, I also think there's an element of uh, proving what they can do for uh, the, the sides going into the Champions League early next week. There's a lot of teams in there, I think, who uh, want to cut their teeth early on and, and get some good wins under their belt. So I'm, I'm excited for Champions League and teams proving they can play two games in a week. Liverpool, maybe uh, mm-hmm. Chelsea as well. Um, it brings us on to the final question here from Luke Dorr, who says, who do you expect to come out on top in the battle of the attacks between Manchester City and Liverpool? Of course, it's the big Premier League game this weekend. Nico, are you feeling confident that Manchester City's attack will uh, will do the job? I'm not in feeling. I'm not feeling entirely confident. I think uh, Liverpool have an excellent defensive structure that, are, that is really difficult to break down. Um, but if anyone's going to break it down, it is. They they do have a really good defensive structure in terms of off the ball. They they line up really well and force possession into areas where they can counter press really easily down the yeah. down the flanks by using the byline as an extra defender and then counter pressing in those areas and then using the pace of Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah it really hit you in the face. That's sort of to some extent what they did against Arsenal. It was a little bit easier, um, but that that's a definite worry for Manchester City. But as far as the attack goes, I think using someone in central areas like. Uh, Bernardo Silva will be really key into finding that space in the middle of their defensive formation. Um, that can that can really be the the key to um, exposing Liverpool and their central defenders. So, as far as my confidence in our attack, I think that that's always been there. But it's it's not playing into Liverpool's hands and not making stupid mistakes in possession. That is really what worries me. Well, what'd you make of this one, Lawrence? Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I think that's where Man City have lost out in previous games to Liverpool. And I've always felt that Liverpool uh, tread a very fine line when playing the top teams, and it can it can come across as a dominant performance or you know look like a really wonderful result. But in the end, I think uh, Klopp somewhat plays the odds, uh, and especially against a team like Man City. For that reason, we've sort of seen um, uh, you know, for instance, when when it was critical for Liverpool, I think it was last Christmas, they lost out to City. Um, and there have been key times where playing the odds hasn't always suited them. I'll be interested to see if Liverpool play um, play, play Coutinho. Um, uh, it's if, if they do, it's certainly going to be a very different kind of setup to the setup we've seen early on in the season. And also, obviously, Emre Can, who's been in great form for Liverpool but is somewhat controversial off the pitch. So there's a, uh, it's not exactly uh, the worst thing for Liverpool right now. I think you know they've obviously beaten Arsenal, but I also think that was a bit of a a misleading result because Arsenal were genuinely awful in that game. Um, so I don't think Liverpool are going into this as strong as we, people like to believe. Um, that's mm. that's why I'm going to say ultimately, yeah. I think uh, it'll be a 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw. Okay. Uh, Nico, you want to make a bold score prediction? Um, I want to say 3-1 Manchester City. But you wow. said bold and you did it. He he's gone for it. it. He's gone for it. Fair play. Absolutely. He's gone for it. Right. Uh, that is the questions. Guys, thank you so much for sending them in on Twitter. Uh, let's move on to part two. It's the weekend preview. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, part two is the weekend preview in association with Fan League. Fan League is the new football prediction app that lets you take on your mates to predict the outcome of the weekend's top English football matches with Fan League. You predict the outcome of 13 English league games each weekend, selecting either a home win, an away win, or a draw, competing for weekly and seasonal cash prizes. If you predict 10 results correctly, you win. If you predict 13 results correctly, you are the player of the week and win big. Um, the great thing about Fan League as well, and part of the reason we've partnered up with them, is not just that it's great fun, but that they are also donating 10% of their revenues to youth and grassroots football projects. We have a front free league set up, so if you want to join in and challenge us to prove you know football better than us, click the Fan League link in the podcast description, download the app, get involved and take us on. There's limited space in the league, so it's the first 100 people who click the link that will be able to join, so do get clicking. Right, let's get into our predictions then. We've got eight Premier League games to predict, as well as five championship games. First up, it's Arsenal against Bournemouth, Saturday, 3pm kickoff. Uh, Three defeats so far this season for Eddie Howe's team. Will it be four after their visit to the Emirates on Saturday? Lawrence. I think it is going to be. Uh, the reason I think we're going to see an, a good Arsenal result is I think they've had time to uh, pick themselves up after what was a really bad result against Liverpool. Um, I think they've gotten the dead wood out the side by getting rid of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, and I, I think that, you know, we, we tend to see a sort of a dip for Arsenal, then a, a very big uplift. Uh, so in this one, it's going to be... The, the problem is, it, it, again, it almost misleads the fans into thinking, we're back! Um, and they're not. Um, so, yeah, we'll see a good result for Arsenal, but I don't think that means any terrible shift in their narrative. It tends to be quite bipolar for them. Yeah, um, maybe a narrow win. Um, on Family, 88% of people believe it's going to be a home win for Arsenal. Nico, are you going to uh, agree with them? No, I, I disagree. What else, what everyone else you dis- you, you, you're going to say oh. an away win, a draw? Yeah, I, th- I was really impressed with the way that Bournemouth came a- after Manchester City in the first half. They disrupted the passing by really um, being hyper-aggressive and, and sort of a, a limited pressing style. Um, and I think that's something that can really work against Arsenal, especially if they try to do similar things and structure the, the midfield in the same way that they did against Liverpool, which I have no reason to believe that Arsene Wenger will change that. Um, and even if they do, I, I still think Bournemouth are, are a talented side and Eddie Howe is, is a talented manager. So I actually think that Bournemouth have the possibility of getting an away win here um, and, and I will be backing them. Mm, one for Team Brexit. We sort of have to come to a, a conclusion together here. So I feel like I'm going to be the, the tiebreaker. I'm going to go for Arsenal to win. So I'm going to override, Nico's, overrule. I think you should do it on whether Nico's preview was better. And I think Nico's preview is better. <laughs> no, I'm it, just gonna... He does the better preview, not 
Not we have to come right. to a consensus, Lawrence. Right. He, we have to come Lawrence to a consensus. Said it. Lawrence said it. I didn't say it. So, yeah. well, I'm going to go for a home win. Um, I'm afraid. Passively, aggressively implied it. <laughs> uh, moving on, the next fixture we've got is Leicester versus Chelsea. Um, Eden oh, Hazard, of course, back in training this week for Chelsea could make his return for Antonio Conte's side. He won't. He won't. He's not um, going to rush him back. He's not going to rush him back. What do you reckon, Nico? Uh, Chelsea to win. We've got seventy-four percent of people saying it's going to be an away win for Chelsea. Um, would you uh, would you fall in with that? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm tending to to think of Chelsea as the favourites here. I don't think it's too difficult to see um, that, but it really depends on on how the possession plays out and how Antonio Conte manages to or tends to manage uh, the the situation of the game or game manages. Um, the the game against Leicester because obviously Leicester are still very powerful on the counterattack, very dangerous on the counterattack, but they've taken away one of their I guess one of the key figures of that uh, type of play in in Danny Drinkwater. So I think if Antonio Conte can play his game, play his counterattacking game, Leicester stand uh, no chance, and I think there's a strong possibility of that. So I'm going to go with Chelsea. Wowie, wowie. Um, should we go with Chelsea Lawrence? Sorry, I'm muting. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, let's go with Chelsea. I think uh, it's very difficult to deny uh, what we've seen in very recent games, despite them being poor in the first one. Um, you know, it's very sort of Conte-esque that the players got quite shocked and then since then uh, have looked very different. Okay, moving on. Uh, Brighton, West Brom, also uh, 3 o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Brighton yet to score in the Premier League so far. Uh, West Brom, on the other hand, have only conceded one goal in three games. So surely Tony's got three points sewn up, Lawrence. I don't think sewn up. I think that it, this is probably going to be one of the uh, games which looks closer uh, between Brighton and West Brom. But I, I think, the, yeah, you've got to go on form in this one, I think. Um, West Brom have been notoriously difficult um, to beat for even the top sides. And Brighton, whilst they are uh, a side that you respect for the start of football they want to play, I, I don't think we can see much beyond West Brom grinding out another 1-0 win. However, I, uh, I will say this. Uh, West Brom and Pulis do not have a great record against newly promoted sides and sometimes you did get the feeling in previous seasons that they they only sort of got up for the big boys um so if there's a chance for anyone to snatch a win here it would be brighton uh but i'm still going to say west brom one nil uh but everyone sort of says oh they were so close mm, yeah i think away win nico it's hard to disagree with that surely yeah I would, i'd probably go with west brom here at the same time um i haven't seen too much of uh of Brighton in, in possession and perhaps being less compact than they were against Manchester City. So it could be a relatively open game, seeing that both managers see an opportunity to take three points here. Uh, so I think it, there's a there's a better possibility of it going either way, but at the same time, West Brom have some immense quality in the players that they've signed, and that's obviously uh, that obviously trumps the quality of, of Brighton and the game where it's, it might tend to be open and expansive football. I, I would take West Brom every time. Mm. Uh, Everton Tottenham, another big game on Saturday. Um, I'm tempted to say a draw. Sixty-three uh, percent of people are going for a Spurs win. I'm You're surprised. Not, not confident in Spurs. Huh? I, I think. I mean, both From teams. Had... hat trick. Yeah. Right off the. Right that's, off the what, that's what I'd like to see. I think both teams have had a sort of uh, difficult start to the season. Um, 
both teams only won on the opening day of the season haven't won since um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if uh, how Poch sets out his team whether we go for free at the back give Sanchez uh, a full debut at the back um, I think Sergio will be making his debut as well which will be interesting to see uh, I don't think Spurs haven't lost against Everton for, for years I think it's since 2012 where we've managed to stay unbeaten against them so I'm feeling relatively confident I just think you know, I don't want to underestimate Everton. I'm surprised how confident a lot of people are on Fan League by suggesting a Spurs win. I'm tempted to say a draw, but um, what do you reckon, Nico? They're not, they're not sort of saying, oh, Spurs win. They're just literally pressing the button. Yeah, a way win, but 63% of people, uh, only 9% think, are going for an Everton win. I think Tottenham, Tottenham have a really good shot in this game, especially, like you mentioned, if they play a, a back three, because I think Kuman will be tempted to do the same. Um, and when those two systems match up, you have a lot of one-on-one battles. And in those situations, I think that's where Tottenham really... Uh, really win in those situations because Kyle Walker Peters or depending really regardless of who they who they use on the on in that sort of wing back role I think those players lining up with Everton's players um, is sort of a mismatch in favor of Tottenham so uh, I would I would say Tottenham come away with yeah. this heavy win. You know I'm but... feeling very confident now you've said it like that um, if Koeman matches up the system I'm, I'm liking it let's go for an away win you reckon Spurs win Wayne Rooney has a pretty good uh, record against Tottenham, though, doesn't he? Obviously, that's Wayne Rooney will do nothing. He might. Um, he's apparently facing wow. disciplinary action for his uh, his bad behaviour, so we're not sure if he's going to feature as of yet. Um, moving swiftly on, uh, Southampton, Watford. Uh, Virgil van Dijk is back uh, in the squad one of at least. The games of the weekend. Yeah, this is the big one. Uh, he's back. It is actually uh, quite an exciting game, isn't it? Um, I, I think it will be because Mauricio Pochettino, or not Mauricio Pochettino, Mauricio Pellegrino yeah, um, has a really engaging style of football, um, like I've mentioned before. And I think Marco Silva will tend to be a little bit more open, or even if he's defensive. Um, the the contrasting of those two styles in a game like this, where you know the clubs want to get as many points as possible in the, this stage of the season, uh, you know, it, it's I think it's going to be a really good game. What do you... Last time he won back-to-back away games, he was Olympiacos manager. Good God. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, uh, the stat I was reading was that Southampton haven't scored in eight of their last 11 games, of course, stretching back to last season. They haven't scored in two of their games this season out of the three. Uh, just, uh, are they going to have enough firepower to put Watford away? Are Watford going to have enough to, to win back-to-back wins? Uh, as Lawrence said there, something that Marco Silva hasn't done for a while. Uh, do we go for a draw here? Do we go for Southampton win? What, what do you reckon they go? I think we go. What I'm going to go. What for two 0 Come on, mate. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to just agree a way win. We'll Watford, go for a way win. I think Marco Silva will be able to to manipulate the game into the counter attacking style that he wants, and in that he has some great strikers like uh, Andre Gray who will be able to put away those chances. So I think okay. I think Southampton will have a good performance, but I, I think Watford will come away the winner. Away win. We've gone for four away wins so far. Uh, are we going to go for a fifth? On Sunday, we're seeing Burnley welcome Crystal Palace. As I mentioned earlier, Frank de Boer's job is riding on this game. Needs a win if he is to avoid the sack as Crystal Palace. Can I just say that's the most ridiculous thing? I mean, it's if, crazy. It, it's if crazy. it is true, like, why not just fire him now then? If you have no confidence in his style of football, oh, you know, one win that can, you know, the result is often not doesn't change like, anything, descriptive yeah. of the performance. Like, exactly. yeah, exactly. It doesn't change anything. Like, why, why does it ride on one thing, supposedly? Four games is plenty of time. Often, All right. It, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Four games is it's a it's a solid sample size. Yeah. As Nico would say. Um, it, I also think it sort of shows where the club's heading with him already. If you are 
feeding those sorts of lines to the media. I think you I think you, you made a really good point that. earlier in the week, though, Lawrence, that if if they do have that foresight, um, like you know, of, of 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 like, you know, they, they might plan to go down. And in that sense, you know, they're backing a style of football that they want to uh, have in, in Frank Dubois. I think that would be an excellent foresight if that was the plan. But it doesn't seem to but, be. But it doesn't seem to be. Either that yeah. or they've got excellent foresight. And then they're also thinking, but let's pile the pressure on just in case. Because let's just pretend. And he's going, yeah, yeah, put the pressure on in public. That'd be great. Can we see... Did Bull winning this one though, or are we just going to go for a Burnley win and agree with sixty percent of people on Burnley? Burnley one nil. Burnley one nil. I think right. I think Burnley walk away heavy winners because of like like we talked about before, De Boer's inoffensive possession style is really going to play into the hands of giving it away in stupid areas and Burnley finishing count. Okay, home win, like Lynn. sort of suffering from he's suffering from almost. Um, uh, who's the manager who managed Swansea, American? Uh, Bob Bradley, big Bob. Bob Bradley. Our mate, our mate. I think he's Bob. suffering a little bit from Bob Bradleyisms here. Mm. Uh, not that he's foreign, but more that um, ever since he came into the club, I don't think he's been made particularly welcome. I don't think his style of football has been sort of um, publicly, um, you know, uh, publicly ad- adulated in the right way. Uh, and I think behind the scenes, there's more going on there. People, are, I think more people are breaking against him. People are sort of saying certain things which will not make him a strong figure that he needs to be, especially if he wants to coach this style. Um, so it makes it difficult for him from the very start. And I think it's been an uphill battle for that reason. Um, and the press aren't particularly on his side. I mean, Anika made a good point. Earlier. If people are English, you probably breach for them because he's foreign, because it's sort of like a foreigner coming over here telling us what to do. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't quite play out in the same way. I feel a little bit sorry for him. Swansea, Newcastle, uh, also on Sunday. Um, Renato Sanchez, of course, expected to make his debut at the Liberty Stadium. Wilfried Bonny as well, returning to the club, expected to start. Uh, Newcastle without Alexander Mitrovic, though, has been banned for four games. Forty-three uh, percent of people going for a Swansea home win here, Nico. Yeah, I think there's a there's a strong possibility of that. As I mentioned on the on the last pod, which people should go and check out, we did a transfer window review for every single Premier League club. Um, the difficulty with Renato Sanchez is that people tend to think of him as a central midfielder when he does very risky things with possession in the center of the pitch and line that up with a with a team that's probably going to fight relegation to some extent. Um, you know, and that's a dangerous combination. But I think if if Paul Clement can do the same thing, because I was watching some rewatching some Euro 2016 games uh, in the middle of the week, and and sort of do what Fernando Santos did, and and push him out wide, sort of in a 4-4-2 formation, which Swansea are are likely to play anyways, then you could see the best of that player. And I think that's what we all want to see. So I could definitely see a, a home win for Swansea here with Renato Sanchez playing a big part in that. Hard to disagree with that, isn't it, Lawrence? Swansea win? Uh, well, you know, I mean, Benitez is coming off the back of a win. I know he's had a bit of a break in between that. It looks as if what a lot of the team required was some coaching, some updating on uh, positions, uh, sort of fitness in the Premier League. So this is going to have been a good time for them to also pick up on that. I don't, I think, obviously, the, the sort of narrative idea would be, you know, Newcastle, he's not particularly happy there. Could he leave at any point? I don't think he is going to walk away because if he does walk away, there's something in his contract which almost sort of would make it so it's difficult for him to walk away. Um, also, I think he, he does have some affection for, for the club already and for the fans. So I, I don't think it's going to be particularly um, beneficial either way. 
having said uh, that, I think Swansea have also got the, the great position of having now a few recognisable star players. And before, maybe um, they, they felt a little faceless or a little less... Um, a little less imposing when playing against some of the big names. If you get Wilfred Bronny, if you get Sanchez, two um, particularly imposing figures on the pitch, then I think that makes uh, that makes you a bit stronger. It also sort of drags some of the attention away from some of the players who maybe before would have been a focus of a side that maybe they weren't equipped to be. I still think uh, Benitez is going to find a way to pressure Sanchez and pressure the rest of that Swansea team and get a Newcastle win. So the final Premier League game of the weekend we need to preview before we move over to the Championship is Stoke versus Manchester United. Can Mark Hughes end Manchester United's 100% record? Three games played for Manchester United, 10 goals scored, zero conceded, not bad. But Mark Hughes yet to you lose to Manchester United under Jose Mourinho, two one-all draws last season. Uh, what do you reckon, Nico? Are Manchester United going to maintain this 100% record at Britannia Stadium? These are the kind of games that Manchester United have won this season that they probably wouldn't have won last season, you know, teams being compact. And I think through the directness of Lukaku, through his pace and ability, coupled with the, I think, overextension of some of the other players uh, from an offensive sense, maybe Mourinho taking a little bit more risk because he's comfortable now um, with the players that he has in Victor Lindelof and a little bit more security in Nemanja Matic in the center midfield. Um, I think this could be a result that's, you know, continues to be really good for Manchester United where they could blow away Stoke. So I'm going to say Manchester United heavily win this one. And that is that another away away win that we're predicting? Another away predicting? win we're going for it. Um, I'd agree with that, though. I think Manchester United look very impressive this season, Lawrence. Um, you'd back them to maintain that? 87% of yeah, people saying so. <laughs> Manchester United are going to win. So, yeah, we'll go for an away win there. Uh, right, let's briefly chat the championship uh, fi- fixtures. QPR versus Ipswich. Uh which is a kickoff on Saturday afternoon. QPR have only won two in five so far this season. Ipswich had won the opening four games before defeat to Fulham before the international break. Uh, I'm tempted to go with Ipswich on this one. Another away win. Only 16% of people backing Ipswich to win at Loftus Road. But I want, I want to join them. Should we join them? Away win? You Another away to win? Loftus Road? Yeah. You, you, know what they say about, you know what they say about QPR? What, what do they say? QPs and R's. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's right. He's not wrong. Um, Leeds That's versus such a London thing yeah. you just said there, Nico. People from outside London won't know how. Oh you are. Um Fulham v Cardiff. Uh, top of the table. Cardiff looking to maintain their own one hundred percent record against Fulham, um, who managed to get their first win of the season, as I mentioned there last week against Ipswich. Uh, I, I love wanna, the color of red. I want to go with Cardiff. You know, you know, you know what they say about the Welsh. Go on. Yeah. You already know what they say. I don't <laughs> yeah, you're right. You don't, don't say it out loud. Don't I'm worry about it. Again. Uh, only 20% of people back in Cardiff, despite the fact they're top of the table with five wins in five. Um, but I'm going to join them. Another away win. We're going for Cardiff. Uh, we've also got Aston Villa versus Brentford. Uh, Villa haven't started the season in great form. They've only won one of five so far. Um, you know what they say about Villa? Go on. No, don't, you don't need to. I, I already know rhetorical. what I'm saying. Yeah. Rhetorical. Um, rhetorical. Villa up against Brentford, though, who haven't won a single game this season. They're second from bottom. So we're going to go for Villa. We're going to join 8 to 10 of people on Fan League who believe John, in John Terry win. Also, John Terry also released a lovely picture of himself this week um, doing yoga. Mm, tempted to vote. Uh, so trying to, trying to prolong his career clearly through uh, more holistic methods. <laughs> Uh, Leeds Burton up next Leeds third with you know 11 points 
but yet to win at Ellen Road this season. They're going to change that this weekend. They're going to beat Burton. We're going for a home oh, win. Shut up, mate. Burton are going to win this week. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday versus Nottingham Forest. Come Clash on, the Titans. Brewers. Come on, the Brewers. Uh, Forest currently sixth Wednesday. Struggling a little bit this season. They're 16th. Obviously made the playoffs last year. What they say about Wednesday. Yeah, we all do. Um, I'm going to go for... We all know it, so don't say it. I think we've gone for... I don't want to say we've gone for too many away wins, but um, do I want to back Wednesday at home? 44% of people are saying, let's go for a Wednesday win. Uh, another home win we'll go for there. So that's our 13 predictions then. The great thing about Fan League is we can now select seven to half hedge, which means we can predict another outcome of the game to boost our chances of winning. So for QPR Ipswich, as well as an away win, we're going to go for a draw as well. For Fulham Cardiff, we're going to go for the same. For Southampton Watford, as well as an away win, we're going to half hedge on a home win. For Everton Tottenham, as well as a Tottenham away win, we're going to go for a draw as well. For Brighton West Brom, an away win and a draw there too. For Sheffield Wednesday Nottingham Forest, we're going for a home win and a draw. And finally for Swansea Newcastle, we said a home win, but also going to half hedge on a draw too. So, guys, those are our predictions. Remember, if you want to get involved and take us on in the Front Free League, on Fan League, all you have to do is click the link in the description of this podcast, download the app, and take us on. As I said, there's limited space in the league, so it's the first 100 people who click on the link that will be able to join. So do get clicking. That is our weekend preview then. That is the Thursday podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. Until Monday, when we'll be back with the weekend review. Lawrence McKenna, where can the whole, where can the listeners find you? Just get on, get online. I'm all over the internet. You're all over it, just everywhere. Yeah. Maybe the kickoff just on Google. Saturday. Check out the kickoff on Saturday. The, oh, sorry, yeah, the kickoff two thirty Saturday. Well <laughs> yeah. worth a, a watch. I'll uh, remind got, you to do your we, plugs. We, yeah. We do actually have a great guest this weekend, Jimmy Conrad. No effing yes. way. I yes love Jimmy way. Conrad. Yes way. Yeah, Jimmy Conrad is a great guest, and he is a massive uh, Premier League fan. So uh, we're looking forward to having Jimmy on the sofa alongside Dave, Lawrence McKenna, and, of course, uh, mm. true Brian Geordie. Wow. I'll be tuning in. I'll be tuning in for sure. Uh, Nico, well, absolute we pleasure. You on. And when Nico's in town, we might even get Nico. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, Nico, an absolute pleasure to have you on the front of you once again. Uh, no thank you. Two, two in a week as well. Unbelievable. Uh, Nico, where can people it's find more of you? can't be bothered to turn up anymore. <laughs> When people can't be bothered to turn up anymore, then they turn to me. Um, so you're a super sub, Nico, but you're making a push for a starting lineup place. That's all I'll say. I know. So I'm really are, making a thinking, push. We're thinking of giving the Statman Day, Daily Football Podcast to Nico at this point. Uh, <laughs> Statman Nico. Uh, I've, Nico. I've, 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 I've inquired that to Dave as well about the status of the podcast. So it's it's yeah. it's. An it, got too big for, it got too big for Dave. He was getting recognised everywhere. People recognised him. I used to use that. So, you know, it was too much. So just, just beware. Beware, Nico. With great stats come great responsibility. responsibility. Uh, yeah. Nico, where can people find more of you? They can find me at my Twitter, which is at Nico Twitter. underscore O Morales. You can find all my stuff there. I've been quite a few podcasts this week, including this one. Once again, go check out the Transfer Window Preview, which is a big Big podcast to listen to. But Two hours time, almost, I think yeah. it's very worth it. I think it's very worth it, right? It was a marathon. Yeah, I listened back to it. I thought it was great. Um, sure. Guys, do go and check out Nika on Twitter. Make sure you tune into the kickoff on Saturday with the one and only Jimmy Conrad. Until Monday's weekend review, have a bloody great weekend. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.